0: You're listening to RiverCast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Guilderland, New York. Now, here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. I'm so glad that you tuned in this morning, and uh, I'm so grateful that we have technology that can record these messages, and that in the middle of the coronavirus, uh, the apocalypse 2020, that uh, we can stay connected and we can continue to share God's word. And uh, before I open up 1 Thessalonians, I do want to kind of give an update. Some have asked, and I've talked to or texted, I've been in communication with most people in River this week, and uh, I've not run into anybody that's, uh, nobody in our church is sick or has anything like that going on. Honestly, there are some people out of work, so I would appreciate, and they would especially appreciate you uh, praying for them in this time. Everybody's okay, my family's great. Um, Honestly, it's just kind of a, for us, a minor inconvenience. But as you know uh, through the news, this is a big deal for some families. So we uh, certainly want to continue to pray and, um, and reach out to those. You will, you will probably notice that we've sent emails and if you're on Facebook, you're probably beginning to see that as well that we as a church are preparing to bless people in our community. Um, So we should have a sign going up. I'm recording this on Friday. A sign should be coming in the mail today uh, that uh, that we can put out front and tell people that we're available to help them, uh, connect with them, pray with them, however, and asking them to call. That also is going on uh, Facebook as well. And I've been overwhelmed by how many of you guys have stepped up and said, yeah, I'm willing to go shopping. I'm willing to pray with people. I'm willing to talk with people. It's been really cool to see. Uh, And in that vein, and if you have a need or you know somebody that has a need, please reach out. This is the time that, uh, that we all want to help one another with those kinds of things. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and then uh, share with you out of 1 Thessalonians. So pray with me, would you? Father, I pray for everyone uh, this morning sitting and listening to these words or, or in the afternoon, whenever that may be. And Father, I pray that you take these words, apply them to uh, their hearts And uh, Lord, you are not caught by surprise with all of this. It has certainly come on suddenly for us. But Father, um, your grace and your presence is real in our lives. And I pray that these words would encourage us. Lord, help us to do just what Paul said last week as we looked in Thessalonians to encourage one another. And I pray we'd encourage one another through this. So Lord, I lift this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. I want to kind of give a disclaimer as I open up with you guys. Uh, I did not pick this passage for, again, for this week, thinking that Corona's coming. I'm going to be sharing about uh, a time, the day of the Lord, a time when God is bringing this world to an end and bringing judgment and salvation. And so I could picture some churches potentially say, oh, this has got to be the end of the world. You know, Corona's hitting. And I think there was an earthquake in Utah and all of these kinds of events. I I wanna say to you that it's a stretch to make anything that's going on today, any kind of end times, apocalypse kind of thing. This is just the normal series that we've been in. If you're watching us for the first time and not familiar with River, uh, we just are walking through different books of the Bible and unpacking them. And it's amazing how timely they are, just that God's word is for us. So I'm gonna read uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter five. You may wanna open your Bible uh, where you are. 1 Thessalonians five, let me read verses one through 11. and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath to obtain salvation, uh, or but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one one another up just as you are doing. I wanna share with you this morning just a, a couple of things about what exactly the day of the Lord really is, and, uh, and what it means for us, and how we should be living, and, and how we should be living, frankly, right now in the middle of this crisis, but, but even if this weren't going on, what our life should be characterized by. Notice Paul says, he says, "For I, I, I've written some things to you, and you really don't need me to tell you more about the times and the seasons. Paul is saying, you don't need me to educate you more about how this world is going to come to an end. He says, you already know that. You know, we live in a world of conspiracy theorists, and there have been so many people that love to put dates and times and months when Jesus is going to come back and usher in eternity and kind of, if you will, take that next step to bring the the following sequences of events. And we love dates and charts and maps and talking about all of those things. But the Bible tells us that we're not going to know the time, and we're not going to know exactly when all this is going to happen and what all that is going on. And Paul says, I'm not going to revisit that. You don't even need me to talk to you about it. However, you do need me to talk to you about the day of the Lord. He says that the day of the Lord uh, is is coming. He says it is going to come like a thief in the night. What in the world is, is the day of the Lord? When the bible talks about the day of the lord it mentions it all through the old testament It mentions it in the new testament even in the book of acts it talks about in revelation it's a theme throughout the bible and you you don't we don't always hear a lot about it in fact it was quite a bit when we talked through the the minor prophets earlier the day of the lord is the day that god comes and exerts his authority and his direct intervention, control into the world situation, into human history. It's a day of reckoning. Uh, Earlier, in fact, just yesterday morning, I I woke up early and uh, honestly, I was trying to go back to sleep and the time had kind of ticked on and I had prayed some, but I just like, I really need to go back to sleep. I've got things I got to do later on and I need some rest. And somewhere around five o'clock in the morning, I began hearing some noises and I, heard something bump and it sounded and it did it again and a few more seconds later it did it again and and it sounded like somebody was going in and out of our family room downstairs our which is right underneath our bedroom we've got a, a double door that goes into it and it sounded like somebody was going in and out and so You know, finally, after about the sixth or seventh time, I started getting really kind of irritated. To be honest, I'm like, who is making so much noise at five o'clock in the morning? Can I just get a little bit more rest? So I thought one more time, I'm going to be patient. But if it happens again, I'm getting up and I'm going to politely instruct that person. They are being really obnoxious right now and that we should be going to sleep. So it happened again. And I threw the covers up, got up, Went downstairs, poked my head out of the hallway like, huh, there aren't any lights on. Turned the light on and went downstairs. Huh, there's no lights on down here. I'm like, nobody's up. Door's perfectly closed. Well, it must have been the wind of the glass door outside. So I latched that and I'm like, that must have been it. And all the while thinking, okay, I don't know what I was hearing, but I'm going to, I guess I'm gonna go try to go back to sleep. What I found out later was it was my dog. Our dog has decided he wants to sleep in our boy's closet and he just kept thumping and bumping. The day of the reckoning, the day of the Lord is a reckoning. Much like what I as dad, I was convinced it was one of my kids. It was going to be a light reckoning. It was going to be a polite, as gentle as I could be at five o'clock in the morning, tired and a little cranky, just be like, hey, I'm glad you're up doing what you're doing, but could you please be a little bit more quieter for the rest of us? Thank you. I'm going back to bed. When the day of the Lord is a day when Jesus comes back, when God steps into this world, rather than being, being present in the world, but more hidden, Jesus will come back and God will exert his direct authority in this world and he will straighten out and right all the wrongs. It is where he will bring punishment to those that have done wrong and have rejected and or have at least ignored his, himself and have not turned to him for salvation. It is a day when God will begin to place his finger upon this world and bring it to reckoning. It's much like God himself being the arresting officer who comes and confronts us and what we're doing is wrong and then arrests us, puts us in jail, and then meanwhile we await a trial whereby the trial jury hears all that we have done wrong, and they bring a sentence of guilty, and they bring before the judge, and the judge confers upon that guilty the actual sentencing that we deserve. The day of the Lord is when God will play the officer, the jury, and the judge in which he confronts us with all the wrong that we've done, And he will bring a final sentencing and punishment upon that for all of eternity. So the day of the Lord is is no joke. In fact, listen to some of these verses. The Old Testament, it's it's a day of judgment, a day when God deals with the evil in the world. Listen to what Joel says. The Bible says this, Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. He says in chapter 3, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. It's a a time of reckoning. It's a time in which we need to know this is coming, that we need to make some decisions in our life today. Zephaniah says this, be silent before the Lord, for the day of the Lord is, is near. It's a time of humbling. It's a time when God will step in and exert his full authority and control visibly and in reality in the world around us. The New Testament says this, it's a day of wrath, it's a a day of visitation, the great day of God Almighty, Revelation talks about. It's a day when God will bring the unbelieving world, the world that has ignored him, has neglected him, or outwardly rebelled him, that God will deal with those individuals. You see, some people directly thumb their nose at God. They are directly rebellious and antagonistic against God. I read in my devotion this week in in the book of 2 Chronicles, I was reading uh, the story about Sennacherib. Hezekiah was king of Israel, and Sennacherib was the king of Assyria. And he came, and he was conquering many lands. And the Assyrians in that time of history, historians tell us, that their empire was spreading, and it was an amazing empire. And they were knocking on the door of Israel. And so he came and began to attack one of the cities. And he sent emissaries speaking to the people. And he, he said, in essence, he said, oh, don't listen to Hezekiah. He cannot protect you. He said, there's no other gods in any other lands that have been able to protect them. How is your God going to protect you? And he began to write words against God and the God in heaven and, and inflammatory words and condemning words and, uh, and spoke deeply against God. Well, Hezekiah got together with the prophet Isaiah and they prayed before God. And the Bible says that God sent an angel And then in that camp, as they were camped against all of Israel, and Israel, when their own power, had no hope, no ability to stand against the great Assyrian army. But God sent an angel, and an angel came and struck down all the commanders of the army and all of the mighty warriors, the Bible says. And Sennacherib turned and went home with, with the face of shame, which for an Eastern culture just totally dejected, totally defeated, tail tucked between his legs, we might say. And then he goes home and he goes into the house of his own God who could not protect him. And his own sons take a sword and they stab him and they kill him and and execute Sennacherib. You see, there are some people that when God comes back and this day of the Lord comes, a day of judgment, just like he brought on Sennacherib, God's going to bring that judgment on people who've absolutely, completely rebelled against God, who said, I can't stand God. I don't believe in God. I hate God. There is no such thing as God. I am not accountable to God. But God is also going to bring a day of judgment on people who aren't openly rebellious against God, but are maybe just kind of ignoring God or neglectful of God. People who have just been like, well, I know God wants me to do this, but I- I'm going I'm to do something different. Ah, God doesn't really care. God either doesn't care. He's not watching. He, I- I'm really not. I'm just going to, he's kind of like, there are many people that are like the, teenage kid that just thinks they're going to sneak out and get away with something that mom and dad won't know. It's not that they're hateful toward mom and dad. It's not that they don't believe in mom and dad. It's not that they're shaking their fist at mom and dad, but they knowingly go against what mom or dad want them to do. And they knowingly in their heart do something that's morally wrong that they know that is not right and they feel guilty about and they feel convicted about, that day of judgment is not just for the openly wicked and awful people, if we will, like Sennacherib or the Hitlers of the world or whoever, those individuals. It's also gonna be for people who have just ignored God, who just said, I'm gonna live my own life and I believe in God. You see, God, when he comes back, when Jesus deals with this stuff, he's gonna put down all evil all rebellion, all disobedience. This is not gonna be like our mom and dad or our aunt or uncle, or maybe our grandmother or grandfather that let us get away with stuff, that gave us a pass, or the, the nice officer that said, well, don't do it again, you know, just kinda let you go. We're gonna be held accountable and God is going to bring his judgment and his reckoning with full intention upon that day, upon that, that moment in history. Some people think it's, this is what, it's, what this is talking about, is gonna be like a big seven year tribulation of great wrath of God. Some people say, no, it's not gonna be that, it's gonna be the, the end of eternity where God deals in destruction for all of eternity in hell. And there's people that, that on both sides of that, and we'll talk a little bit more in a minute what's really important in this, but regardless of what's going to be, God is going to punish and deal with those realities. Now, what does this mean for, for people today? What does this mean for you and for me? Well, notice what the Bible says. That this is going to be, come at a time when people are saying peace and security in verse 3. It's going to be a time when everybody's going to feel like everything's good. The economy's good. Security, healthcare's good. I've, I will make this connection. Are you amazed at how quickly that the world around us can panic over a virus. Sean, don't make light of corona, I'm not. It's a big deal. But have you noticed how quickly we can go from planning summer vacations and thinking about our next trips that we're going to take and what we're going to do on spring break and what we're gonna do with the kids and what games we're gonna see, and who we hope is gonna win the NBA playoffs, and we're getting ready with our brackets for March Madness, and, and now we're worried about can we find toilet paper or not? You know, can we, can we uh, let's stock up on green beans and rice because everybody's selling out of those. Uh, have you noticed how quickly we can go in our entire country? to just rapidly where we think everything is wonderful to now where people are stressed out, some are flipping out, some are worried, some are are struggling hard, and now we're talking about a recession and, and genuinely people are beginning to lose their jobs, beginning to be laid off, beginning to be fired. How quickly? Well, folks, that should be a warning to us that the day of the Lord will come quicker than we expect and bring way more severe things than we're experiencing right now. It will come suddenly, the Bible says. It will come without warning. It will come like a a thief in the night. What it's telling us is that that we will think that everything is good, but just like a thief that doesn't announce, hey, I'm gonna make an appointment to rob you on next Thursday at two o'clock, make sure you're safe. No thief announces it's coming. God is not going to announce this. He's going to come when it's, we least expect it. He's going to bring that. And when he brings it, there's going to be no escape. That's the point. We often hear about the thief of the night analogy. But there's another picture in here that we don't hear a lot about. And then that's a a pregnant woman. The Bible says that when God comes and this day of the Lord comes, it's gonna come like a woman who goes into labor pain. And it's going to be unescapable. Some ladies when, you know, the ninth month comes, like, I can't wait to get this kid out of me, please now, come. There's no woman that's been able to hold off, you know, their kid. I remember there was a time when one of our children were being delivered and it wasn't our first or second, to be honest with you, it was my, when, probably my fourth or fifth and the doctor wasn't in the room and the nurses were like, you gotta hold it, you can't push. And And like, my wife's like, what are you talking about? I'm thinking like, get out of the way. I can do this, you know, I can get a catcher's mitt. We got this covered. You can't hold that off. There's no escape. What what God is telling us, quarantines aren't gonna work. There's no way to avoid the destruction and what's coming. Somewhere early on in this crisis, several days ago, I kind of woke up and I thought, is this really a dream? Like, can we just, Like, this is surreal. I want it to be like a movie. Like, can we just get to the credits and say, oh, wow, that was interesting and kind of move on with life. There's gonna be no escape in this kind of situation. It's, it's It's a big deal. So for some people who don't know Jesus Christ, who've never surrendered their life to him, this day is going to be a day of tremendous destruction, tremendous anxiety, tremendous worries, tremendous depression tremendous anger, tremendous everything in their life. It's a big deal and they won't be able to escape it. There'll be no mitigating it. There will be no governmental bailouts. There will be no checks coming to help. There will be no medical supplies, no testing, no nothing to help anyone to be able to escape it. In fact, in the Bible, in the book of Revelation says, it will be so bad that people will crawl into caves and cry and wish that the rocks could crush them, that somehow they could escape and be hidden from this horrible, judgmental kind of day. But for others, that's the, the, the destruction and wrath that verse nine talks about. But verse nine has a salvation piece, it has a blessing. God does, has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the day of the Lord for the follower of Jesus, the one who not only has not rebelled against God, or maybe they did rebel, but the one who has turned to God and has said, God, I need you in my life. I need Jesus to save me and forgive me. To those individuals, the day of the Lord is actually a day of salvation. It's a day of destruction for some. It's a day of salvation to others. It's a day that Jesus comes and says, I am rescuing you, we're we're done. I am pulling you out of all of this mess. It's It's a day to look forward to, not the judgment and destruction, but it's a day to look forward, the blessing of our salvation, that we get to be with Jesus, as we talked about last week, that we get to be with him, with him for all of eternity. So what matters to you and to me is that as we look at this, there are two very different experiences that are going to happen. One is one of of destruction and judgment that has been earned by people's actions and deeds and attitudes and hearts, all the sin that they have done, that they will be confronted with at a moment in time. I, I truly cannot. Fathom that. God has never confronted me with all of the things that I've done at one moment of time. But that will, will be experienced by those who have not taken his offer of salvation. Who have not said, oh my goodness, God, you died for me. You sent your son. I need Jesus. He took that punishment. Now, those individuals who have not surrendered their life to Jesus, it is, that is what the day of the Lord means for them. The day of the Lord for you and for me is a day that we say, God, thank you that all of the judgment, all of the wrath, all of the wrong that has been poured out for all that I've done wrong has already been paid by Jesus. And for me, thank you. For those who know Jesus, it's a day that we look forward to the blessing because we look in our past and our salvation is on the cross of Jesus that he died for us, and God already poured his wrath out. You see, God's judgment is going to be met one way or the other. We either accept that his judgment that was coming to us was poured out on Jesus already 2,000 years ago when we receive him as Lord, or we accept that punishment and that judgment for all eternity. So for you and for me, We need to take stock of our life. Much as Joel said, decisions, multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. We have to make that decision now in our life before the, the day comes, before the massive coronavirus and a million times more than all of what we're experiencing today hits, to make that commitment to our Lord Jesus, to surrender to him. And as we've done that, then we should live in a life of faith and a life of hope and that's where I want to switch to next the third thing is how should we live in light of all of this notice the bible tells us several things here and this is really the hopeful piece he tells us he says you're not children you are children of the light we're not in darkness this day is not going to surprise us like a thief it's not that kind of day he says therefore you know let us not sleep like other people do, but let us be awake and be slow, some sober. Don't get drunk, don't fall asleep. The Bible tells us that as a part of these two different experiences are two very different kingdoms. One's a kingdom of darkness, the other is a kingdom of the light. Because we know Jesus and because we, when we surrender our life to Jesus, we start, we started out in the kingdom of darkness but we receive Jesus as Lord, and we become a part of his kingdom of light. And as a result, we're not caught unaware. We're not going to be shocked when Jesus comes. No, we don't know the day or the hour, but we're expecting it. We, we know, we've accepted and we've received the realities that are coming. And so he tells us that as we live our life today, that we should live in such a way that we're alert, that we're not falling asleep, that we're not stumbling around, confused in the dark, that we shouldn't be distracted and preoccupied, but we should be sober, we should be alert. In other words, we should be people who are not uh, struggling, who are not unaware, but we should be people who are not only a faith, but people who are faithful. You see, darkness is a place where confusion resides. It's a place of isolation. It's a place of corruptness, the Bible describes it as. So you and I, rather than falling into that world, returning back to that world really is the the better picture, God calls us to live differently today, to live like children of light, to live like people who are faithful, following our Lord Jesus, expectant of his return, not confused, not falling asleep, One of the things that that I hope that's good that's coming out of this crisis, there's a lot of bad, but I hope one of the good that's coming out of it is it's, it's, it's causing everyone to think about what's really most important in life, what really is critical in our world, what's important in our individual lives, in our family. It's making us assess. It's making us cut away some things that we're used to that just, you know, like, Yeah, that's an inconvenience. Yeah, I'd really not not have to deal with that, but it's making us take stock of what's really important to us. And to be honest with you, the things that we're struggling the most without right now show us really our values and our priorities of life. For the Christian, this should be causing us to say, have I fallen asleep? Have Have I been pulled away? into some of this darkness? Have I allowed these things to take a more important part of my life than they really should be? We ought to be taking this time not just making sure that we're taking care of our families and taking care of others, but we should also be saying, God, what are you trying to speak into my heart? What are the things that I'm complaining about having to do without? What are the things that you're showing me that really aren't that important? And I've given them way too much of a a priority in my life. God, where have I fallen asleep spiritually in the world around me? Where have I been carried away into the priorities of the world around us? You see, the Bible tells us that we're not of the darkness. We're of the light. Mom and dad, if you're thinking about your kids and how to process this with them at home, I encourage you after the video's over to shut it off and maybe pray and and talk with their kids. Talk with them about what it feels like when they go to school being a child of the light in the middle of of the world of darkness there's a lot of pull back into that world and it may be a wonderful opportunity for you to process that with them maybe maybe you've got older kids maybe teenagers maybe even college students maybe haven't stepped out into the working world maybe this would be a great opportunity for you to process with them what it's like for you to be a child of the light living in a world of darkness and decisions that you've had to make and times that you've had to keep your mouth shut, times you've had to speak up to help your kids or your adult children to to step into that world, to to know how to live and to not fall asleep and not to get drunk and be intoxicated with the things around us and the, the world around us. God tells us to live soberly. And this crisis should be sobering us as Christians to the realities of eternity as we live our life. Second thing, when we think about what it means for us to live today, because there are two separate kingdoms, there's going to be conflict in the middle of that. There's going to be challenges in the middle of it. Look what Paul says. He says in verse eight, since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And here's a part of it. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for helmet, the hope of salvation. We're used to looking at a, another passage talking about the spiritual armor, you know, the shield of faith and all of that and the breastplate of righteousness. But Paul's using that same terminology and only has two pieces of armor here. The, the breastplate protected the Roman soldier from the, their vital organs. And it's described as, as one of, of um, what faith and, and one of love that, our vitals as we live our life in this world today until this day of the Lord comes. And even depending how that all plays out in the middle of that, that we're to, 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 to live out our life in faith and love every single day. Some around time around Wednesday, I was struggling, to be honest with you, in the middle of it. I just got tired as a leader just every day having to rethink through decisions that I had made the day before because the situation kept changing. Be honest with you, it was just getting exhausting. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? And I woke up, un- I think unrelated, but maybe not. I woke up, and had a headache right off in the morning, and I don't usually battle headaches, and having to work through some things. And... And I just, I, I was, ha- I did not feel well all morning. And it was just, it was a very distracting morning. I didn't feel well physically having to walk through and deal with a bunch of things. I got, I got discouraged along the way. And I had to consciously say, God, I'm gonna trust you in the middle of this. I, I didn't think I was worrying. Maybe I was, but it was just how do we navigate and what do we do and all of the confusion and, and getting used to the new scheme of things. And I had to consciously say, God, I trust you. I don't know how this is gonna unfold. To be honest with you, I don't have a lot to worry about, but I trust you. And you and I need to, every day in our life, come back to that faith. God, I trust you. God in heaven, in essence, is saying to us as Christian, is I got you. I got you. you. You don't have to worry. I got this covered. In the middle of all of this unknown and uncertainty, I've got you. Those of you that don't have a job or out of work or wondering how you're going to deal with these things, God says, I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. And our heart should be one of faith. It should be one of love. It protects us in our vitals. You see, we're vulnerable. We take a shot there and our faith goes out the window. We're vulnerable. Our love goes out the window, our love to one another, our love to the world around us. We're vulnerable to all the attacks of the enemy. And we don't do well in the world around us. The second piece of armor that he talks about is our, our hope of the helmet of the hope of our salvation. Notice he didn't just say the helmet of salvation, but the hope, the expectation that that salvation brings to us. Here's the picture. Everything that would go into our mind should pass through the grid of a firm hope and our salvation. And everything that comes out of our minds should represent a firm hope of our salvation. That protects us. That everything, the world around us, as it gets stirred up and goes wherever it's going to do, we need to recognize and bring a response that's appropriate to what we're dealing with. But all along the way, there should be a hopefulness in our thinking. And the, the thoughts in the world around us, the, the worldviews, the mentality, if you will, all of the things coming toward us, everything should, it should be everything that doesn't pass through, a hopefulness in our salvation should bounce right off our mind and our hearts and should go away. That God wants us to live our life in faith and hope and love. This is not the first time this shows up in the Bible. We know about this in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that great love chapter. And after Paul defines what love really should look like among people, he ends with, he says, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So as you think through and where you are as a family, I want to encourage you and challenge you to make those things more of the conversation and more of the thoughts in your world than just what are we doing or not doing because of Corona and how do we do with all of these other things? Make sure that you're stepping back and saying, does this really represent faith and love and hope? Am I really wearing the spiritual armor that God expects to me in the middle of this? Am I really experiencing that? And he wraps up with the third piece he says encourage one another with these words you know what really encouraged me this week when I was struggling that morning I was talking about besides taking some ibuprofen to kick my headache and and working through some things that afternoon I spent most of the afternoon talking with with many of you texting emailing engaging with people hearing what's going on and 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 people's lives and I got something that I was totally not expecting. I was calling, trying to reach out and encourage other people and just to see where everybody is. And, and in the process, I didn't see this coming. It totally makes sense, and, and I'm not surprised now, but I just wasn't thinking through it. I was trying to help and bless everybody else. But as I talked and listened and heard, and everybody was, was kind of just telling me what they were doing and how they're processing us, what's going on, I got incredibly encouraged that by that. End evening that afternoon late afternoon I was so encouraged and the reason why is is isolation always discourages us God means us as his children to live in faith together in community and we know we're practicing social distancing Uh, we know that we're not able to be together physically so I want to challenge you this morning or whenever you're watching this video I want to challenge you to reach out to somebody in in River of Life, somebody else in the church, not in your family, but reach out and check in on them this week, today, the next couple of days. Maybe you have two or three that you want to do that. I want to ask you a favor of you to do that, one, as a pastor, because I think that blesses and helps keep the whole church encouraged. And you'll bless them. You'll not only bless me, but you'll bless the individual or the family you reach out to. But thirdly, you're actually going to bless yourself because you'll get encouraged as you engage and help build one another up in that faith and that hope and that love and share those simple little words. I really wanna encourage you to do that. And then also let me encourage you to do one other thing is to reach out to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, maybe a couple of somebodies, maybe people you know, maybe people you don't know. People are open right now, guys. They're asking questions. They're looking for answers. They're hurting, they're struggling. And the Bible says we should always be ready to give an answer for the reason of the hope that lies within us. Sean, are you saying, I just need to knock on a door and, you know, and just like give people a four outline. You're a sinner, get right with God. You know, Jesus loves you. You're going to die and go to hell. If you don't, no, I'm not talking about that. Just love and engage on people. And along the way as you share they'll know that you're a Christian and you'll have some opportunity that you can share some more about what God wants to have and why you have some hope and ask them how they're doing and process with them and share with them physically whatever you need to do but but be a blessing to them in the middle of this so I'm going to leave you with those thoughts challenge you to think through in your own home how you're living out and processing the children of light and darkness we don't need to be weird as Christians, we don't need to be jerks, but God does expect us to live differently and we should because we've got all the hope and joy and love that we need. But secondly, are you you're wearing that armor every day? You see, the reason we talk about this stuff so much, Sean, you know, I notice there's a theme. You talk a lot about this. I do because the Bible talks a lot about it. And the reason God brings it to us is this stuff drains out of us. It, it drains out of us. I got up Wednesday. I wasn't thinking a whole lot of faith and hope and love to be real honest with you. I was just dealing pragmatic with all the stuff that we had to deal with much like you. And we have to be reminded of these things, to step back, to keep them a reality, because if we don't intentionally do it, we unintentionally, definitely, we end up not doing it. Not living and not keeping that So focus on those things. And then thirdly, reach out to encourage intentionally and bless somebody else this week. Guys, I don't know how, where this whole thing is going to go. We're going to be talking next week. You know, we've, as you know, we've canceled things officially together as a church through the end of March. And by the end of next week, we'll be figuring out what the next couple of weeks look like as we go into Easter but we will continue to have these things available online. We're also talking about how to help our groups, you know, as we've had to suspend those to give some people ability to connect and engage one another. And so just stay tuned to that. Pay attention to your emails. If you're not normally an email checker, I would encourage you to check them at least every, you know, at least a couple of times a week, you know, middle of the week sometime, early in the week and at the end of the week, just so you can kind of hear what's going on. We're trying to also to step up in our Facebook communication. Uh, There's some of those things as well. So pay attention to that, and if for some reason you're not uh, you're not finding any of those things or don't know what's going on, just reach out to me and email me. River, you've got my email. You can hit us on our Facebook page, any of those things. So uh, if, you've, if you've got something going on, we want to bless you. But uh, regardless, remember this week, faith, hope, and love. Let me pray. I going to pray God's blessing on you. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that it's real, that we can bank on it. Father, I pray that everyone listening to this, both who are part of the River family and and those that this might get shared with or might just stumble into it, Father, I pray that you would help them to experience your salvation, fully the kingdom of light, and they would experience that faith, that hope, and that love in their heart this week. Help us to carry that through, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.